The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So in the early um, centuries of the Christian church, the second and third centuries, there was a bishop who lived. He's well known in the tradition named Origen. This is a gentleman who, uh, again, we we revere and honor even to this day, and he lived during a time when the Christian movement was still very new. Uh, It was sort of considered a strange sect off to the side. Uh, It was not particularly big. It wasn't growing a ton yet. And someone came to Origen and said, Bishop, will you explain to me this doctrine that you believe? Will you explain to me uh, Christianity? And if you're a bishop, you might think, well, what Origen would have done would have said, oh, it's nice to see you. Thank you for coming to my office. If you'll sit down in this comfy chair, I am happy to explain to you all of the mysteries of our faith. Or perhaps he would have taken a three-ring binder off of his shelf and said, well, here are some things I've written down. Take this with you, review it and read it, come back and see me in a week, and we can talk more about it then. But Origen did neither of those things. Again, this man comes to him and says, Bishop, will you explain to me this doctrine called Christianity? And Origen's response was, first, come and see how we live. And then you will understand our doctrine. His point being, this origins point, this Christianity thing is not simply about some information that we absorb. It's not simply about things we say, but it's about a way of life. It's about a posture we have 
to the world or in the world. And you may know this, but the earliest Christians actually reinforced this point uh, in terms of how they self-identified. They did not say, I'm a Christian. What they said instead is, I'm someone who is part of the way, right? Which suggests, again, something more active. I'm not saying that what we believe or think is unimportant. Please hear me. But that image of the way suggests that the, the, the life of faith is something more active. Again, it's about our posture in the world. It's about how we live. It's about what we do. Why do I think of that this morning? I think of it because both of our passages that we just heard Pastor Mark read from both James and the Gospel of Mark reinforce this point in some really powerful ways. From the Gospel of James, we actually have in that passage we read today the most famous verse from the book of James, which says simply to these early Christians, be doers of the word and not merely hearers of the word. In other words, when you hear sacred scripture, when you hear the story of this Christian faith, don't simply listen to it, but allow those words to change you, to transform you, to inform the way you are in the world. And at the very end of that passage, James answers the implicit question, which is, well, what does that mean? How are we supposed to be doers of the word? <clears throat> he says, well, one way, it's not exhaustive, but one way is to care for the orphans and widows which in that time was shorthand for those who are in need. Care for those who are least, the lost, the left behind. Pay attention to them. Honor them with your lives. That's one way you can be doers of the word. So that's James. The Gospel of Mark actually begins with some Pharisees and scribes coming to Jesus and challenging him and his disciples saying, hey, you're not doing this faith thing right. And so initially you might think that they're on sort of the side I'm trying to make this morning about faith being an active thing, something we do. And as Rachel pointed out, what they say specifically is you're not washing your hands correctly before you eat. Jesus, however, in typical fashion, turns the tables on them and quoting Isaiah, he says to them, this people honors me with their mouths, their lips, they talk, they do a lot of talking, but their hearts are far from me, from God. So he is calling out these Pharisees and scribes and saying, you're complaining about a trivial thing like hand washing. Your entire lives are lived contrary to the word of God. This is, by the way, a reminder of how Jesus made some very powerful enemies. Okay, so again, James and Mark both lift up this idea that we're called not simply to hear the word, but to live it out, which reminded me of that story, I love the story, from the life of Origen. Bishop, teach me your doctrine. First, come and see how we live. Which raised the question for me, well, today, in 2021, if someone came here to this community, to this family of faith, what would they Receive? How would they understand the life of faith? Are there distinctive things that they would say, oh, now I see how we live? And part of me, honestly, as Christians, part of me was inclined to say, meditate on that for the next week. We'll come back and we'll talk about it then. But I am going to lift up three things. And I want to be very clear about something. These three things, again, I'm not trying to be exhaustive here. 
There are other distinctive things that make us Christian, but I think these three are important. And the second point is, I'm not suggesting we live these out perfectly here. We never do. We never will in this lifetime. But I pray and I hope that we attempt at least to live them out as faithfully as we can, right? Okay? So three things that I think set us apart that I hope people who come into this community might say, oh, that's part of what it means to be Christian. The first thing is hospitality, right? In the ancient world, maybe you know this, but I I don't think we can stress this fact enough. It was not generally assumed that everyone was equal. There was sort of a, a very high level of folks who were equal, and then there was everyone else. Christianity came around, and part of what it said is, you know what? All of us are children of God. All of us are brothers and sisters of one another. All of us are equal in the sight of God. Therefore, we should welcome everyone as an honored son, as an honored daughter of that God who we love. And so here, again, I'm not saying we do it perfectly, but we sure try. Here in this place, we say, all are welcome. Please, come. There is a place for you here. And this is maybe a subject for another sermon, but it's really important to make the point that when we say, please come, there's a place for you here, as Christians, we're not saying, there's a place for you here so that you can become like everyone else in this room. It's exactly the opposite of that. We're saying God has set apart a place for you specifically so that you can realize the particular gifts and skills and abilities that you have uniquely, right? which, by the way, the church needs, which the body of Christ needs to accomplish its work. So again, first idea, and again, some people get creeped out by this, but this is why we say why ice every week. Welcome. We've been expecting you. Because it's true. And we're glad you're here. So that's the first thing, hospitality. A big front door, a welcoming front door for everyone who comes in. Second thing, forgiveness. This may be, forgiveness may be one of the most distinctive things about our Christian faith. Again, it was not something that was valued in the ancient world. I'll say in a minute how it's not valued in our world either. But this is maybe also not only the thing that is so distinctive about us, but it's also something that maybe more than anything else reminds us of this point about our faith is something that we do, not simply something we talk about. It is a practice, right? What do we say in the Lord's Prayer? Every time we pray it. Forgive us our sins, what? As we do what? Forgive those who sin against us. It doesn't say forgive us our sins as we reflect upon those who sin against us. Or as we meditate upon those. Or as we process. No, it's the hard work of actually forgiving. And I will say as a pastor, I think I can say this with a high degree of confidence. The thing that people come to me about more than any other in sort of counseling or discussions is, Pastor, how can I forgive? And it's hard. And it requires prayer, but we are called to practice it. And again, I think in our culture today, a culture that is becoming more coarse and more brittle, can I get an amen to that? where forgiveness is often viewed as weakness, as something we shouldn't do, 
I think forgiveness is one of the distinctives as Christians that we are called to do more than ever to model this loving God who first and foremost forgives us. Can I get an amen to that? Okay, so hospitality, forgiveness, and the third and final thing I'll lift up this morning is generosity. And generosity is one of these things that reminds us that as Christians, we come here not first and foremost to be sort of fulfilled in ourselves or to be self-actualized or to, to become happy as individuals. It turns out I think that our faith gives us those things as a gift, but we come here to be drawn into the body of Christ first because we believe it's true, and second because we, we are told here from God to each and every one of you. I love you. And God also says, don't forget, I love the world you live in, which is broken and fallen and messed up. And I need you, my body in the world, to tend to that world, to care for that world, to attempt to restore that world. And that may hurt. It may require some sacrifice on your part. And again, this is very countercultural, right? The culture says, earn what you can and hold on to it because by gum, you deserve it. What does the church say? The church says every gift is from God and we are invited to steward all that God has given us. Why? For the sake of of the world. And so we're called to hold those things lightly and be generous with them so that, as James reminds us, in our time and place, we also can care for the widow and the orphan. So again, hospitality, forgiveness, and generosity. I might, and again, I'm not saying those are exhaustive. There's more distinctives, but those are a good starting point. And I might suggest that in the coming week, it wouldn't be a bad idea for you maybe to sit with those things and reflect on them. How am I at welcoming the stranger? How are we as a community at welcoming the stranger? How am I at forgiving those who have done something uh, to me that hurts really badly? And how am I in my own life at being generous? I started with that story from origin from almost 2,000 years ago now, I'll end with a, a short phrase or statement from a more recent a living teacher of the faith who reminds us again of the fact that our faith, our Christian faith, is something we do, not something simply that we think about or understand with our head. He reminds us Christianity is a path that we learn by walking. It is a river we know by swimming. And it is a game we come to love by playing. And my prayer this week is that each of us in our own lives might be able to walk that path and swim that river and play that game, not only for our own sakes, but for the sake of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.